Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine and sponsored by Steer. Broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio show. I'm your host, Kim Bellato. Today, we have a great show lined up for you. We will be joined by Tim Tarpley, who is the Vice President of Governmental Affairs for PISA, which is the Petroleum Equipment and Service Association. But before we bring on Tim, I'd like to talk to you quickly about our latest issue of Shell Magazine. We are featuring our women's issue. You know, every year we're dedicated to helping uh, identify and spotlight women that are really making a difference in the oil and gas industry. And so we just dropped the latest issue in which our cover is Amy Cronus, who is the managing partner for Deloitte, uh, one of the largest consulting companies uh, out there pertaining to oil and gas. And so I encourage you to look at this issue in which we cover a lot of different women. We profile a lot of different women in the oil and gas industry. And of course, you can always go and look it up for free at shalemag.com. Again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. And now it's time to welcome the editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman, to this week's show. David, welcome back to this week's show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas. It sure is. I love when we start to move into summer. Of course, it's really hot, but... Uh, what we have had all this rain and gloom and doom, I'm so excited that we have really good weather and it's lasting. Um, let's talk about oil prices because again, this is becoming a topic. Um, it seems to be a little bit of a troubling topic, if you will, with WTI prices falling from $64 down well below 58 during May, $58 a barrel during May. So what is causing the factors for us to be seeing the significant drop? Well, it's, it's uh, you know, mainly the, the trade war with China um, and the uncertainty that creates in the markets. Um, it's obvious that the Chinese economy is slowing down pretty dramatically. The, the tariffs are having a real detrimental effect on economic growth there in China. And... Uh, you know, rather than that encouraging China to make a deal, their leadership has uh, entrenched itself and has uh, gone back on several commitments they had agreed to make under a trade agreement. So, so we're at this impasse, and uh, the markets are thinking, "Hey, you know, China's slowing down. That means demand for crude oil's slowing down." And in the second half of the year, we may uh, experience a, a glut of crude oil on the market. And you're already seeing signs that the market's a little bit oversupplied. We've had pretty significant uh, crude oil inventory builds here in the United States and in other parts of the world over the past few weeks. And so so when you have an excess of crude on the market, the price tends to go down, and that's what's happening. So is this a long term, do you think, or is this a short, uh, troubling, painful part that won't last for very long? Is this... How long do you well, see Well, there's no way to know. I mean, right now, you, you hope that uh, cooler heads will eventually pre- prevail, but uh, both uh, President Xi in, in China and President Trump here in the United States have dug in on their positions. And, uh, you know, the thing about it is, as long as the U.S. economy continues to 
chug along at 3% economic growth or better, President Trump doesn't really have any real incentive to uh, begin making concessions back to China that favor them uh, in the trade balance. And so um, if you end up with a, you know, with the, our economy beginning to slow down, and we'll see the second quarter numbers in July, uh, if those come in at less than 3%, then you might see President Trump say, hey, you know, we we better start uh, making some concessions here and try to get a deal done. But for now, Trump doesn't really have any incentive to, uh, you know, to, to make any big concessions to China to get a trade agreement right now. So I, I think it's at least the next few months, and it could, could end up being longer. Interesting. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the Texas legislature's adjournment, the 2019 session, which ended on Memorial Day. Um, as always, we're always very interested in what's happening in oil and gas and how our elected officials um, are making bills that will change the oil and gas industry. So how do you think they fared this ending of this session? Well, you know, it, it's, it was an interesting session. To me, the biggest thing that happened related to the oil and gas industry in this session is what didn't happen, and that that is none of the eminent domain bills uh, that had been proposed ended up passing into law. They all died right during the last few days of the session and didn't have uh, enough support in either house, uh, in both houses, to be passed. So, so we end up with the status quo on the eminent domain law for the next two years. We can be sure that uh, it'll come back up in 2021. But uh, for now, the, the status quo remains, and um, that's pretty critical uh, with the big build-out. Uh, yeah. And, you know, uh, the, the problem was, unfortunately, that you couldn't get to uh, an agreed-to bill that, you know, wasn't going to significantly harm the industry's ability to get its pipelines built in this state. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, it just didn't end up having the support uh, in, in the one house or the other to get either of these bills done. So that was the biggest thing. Uh, we had a good water bill from Drew Darby. Um, house bill 3246 was signed into law or will be signed into law. It was passed by the legislature. The governor will sign it here in a few weeks, you know, and that just clarifies uh, that the landowner, uh, or it clarifies ownership of underground water resources in the state. It puts it in the statute. Uh, it puts into statute uh, the law that's been created in the courts uh, through several court decisions. And it, all it does is basically uh, enshrine those court decisions into a statute, which is always a good thing and, and makes, you know, makes the existing law more permanent and easier to maintain. And then the other big thing, I think, uh, really, that that was really important to the industry and, and ought to be done in every state uh, was House Bill 3557 by uh, Chris Patty. Um, this one is the that's the law, the new law that establishes criminal penalties for anyone who intentionally damages oil field equipment. We've had protesters uh, in other states. It hasn't happened in Texas yet, I don't think, uh, but in other states in North Dakota and elsewhere. Protesters actually intentionally damaging, trying to break pipeline equipment that's under high pressure that, you know, could have ended up killing them and other people around them uh, had they succeeded in breaking into these pipes. And, uh, you know, you just can't have that happening. And so the uh, uh, Mr. Patty's bill uh, makes it a, uh, a class three felony, I believe. Uh, that's punishable with prison time and pretty significant fines for doing that. And, you know, that's just a really smart law. 
a good thing for the industry and really a good thing for the state. So all in all, for the industry, it was, you know, a, a fairly quiet session, not nearly as busy as some others in recent years have been. And, um, and overall, for the, I think, a pretty successful session of the legislature, just in general terms. Meanwhile, meanwhile, in New Mexico, we had quite a different story, didn't we? Well, we well, sure did. Uh, talking about the Green New Deal uh, bill, Governor Lujan Grisham signed into law there. What does it mean for the energy industry? Yeah, you know, this is, and this is part of an organized effort by anti-oil and gas groups. And, and we're going to start seeing this exact same kind of bill uh, come up in, in other states over the next few years. Um, they took this bill into New Mexico first as a test case, and it ended up passing. And what it does is it, uh, it, it sets a requirement into law uh, that by the year 2030, 50% of New Mexico's energy mix, which means all power generation, all automobile transportation, anything that uses energy, home heating, et cetera, will have to be from non-carbon generated sources. So basically wind, solar, and whatever else they can come up with. Um, and then by 2045, it has to be 100%. So which is completely unattainable and unrealistic and not going to happen. But what it does is it gives the regular regulators in that state a reference point uh, to justify all manner of anti oil and gas kinds of regulatory efforts. Now they'll be able to just, you know, regulate, try to regulate the industry, but they're out of existence. And, and that's uh, a very dangerous thing for New Mexico's economy, for the residents, you know, utility bills are going to go way up. Right. We're already seeing it in other areas when you're anti-oil and gas, you pay a lot more taxes. Everything is more expensive. Uh, what a sad, I mean, New Mexico is such a beautiful place um, to visit, but I guess uh, maybe not to live there here in the near future, I guess. Uh, what a sad thing. Well, the irony is, you know, this, this bill happens in the wake of, uh, the industry basically boosting the state's budget from a chronic deficit situation into this massive surplus, uh, thanks to the Permian Basin and all the taxes that has generated and lease bonuses to the government. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden uh, they're going to kill the goose that's laying the golden eggs out there. And and uh, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, people voted for these representatives who passed that bill. So, um well, I mean, all you have to do is look at California and how they're moving out in droves and other high tax states where they elect these people and they just completely crash the uh, their economies. Um, they're, you know, not friendly to energy and they wind up paying the price, whether they're importing, uh, you know, natural gas from com countries like Russia um, or um, just very, very, very high taxes, paying higher prices at the gas pump. I mean, everything has has a real true impact to the residents and um you know who you vote for is important i guess these days well david i wish we were leaving it on a better note but um i guess uh you know the green new deal in uh, new mexico will 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 uh those residents will find out soon enough uh that wasn't a very popular thing to do for now we do have to uh take a break thank you for uh joining us this week on the show we look forward to having you back next week on the show great I'll look forward to it. And now it's time for us to take a quick break. But when we return, we will be joined in studio by Tim Tarpley, Vice President of Governmental Affairs for PISA, the Petroleum 
Equipment and Service Association. You're listening to In the Wall Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. In the Oil Patch Radio Show is proud to bring you this week's Energy Minute, produced by shalemag.com. Hi, this is Kim Bellotto, host of In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and this is your Energy Minute. Oxy announced it would sell parts of Anadarko Petroleum once its deal to acquire the company is complete. In addition to Anadarko's LNG assets in Africa, Oxy said it plans to put the company's Gulf of Mexico production and midstream assets up for sale in the coming months. Competing bills designed to reform the Texas intimate domain law died on the final day of the legislative session on Monday as negotiations in the House and Senate were unable to agree to a final bill. This was the third straight session in which an effort to reform was attempted, and this result will ensure this issue will arise again when the legislators meet in 2021. Listen to In the Oil Patch Radio and keep up with the oil and gas industry online at shalemag.com. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. We are being joined in studio by Tim Tarpley, who is the Vice President of Governmental Affairs for PISA. Uh, Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, uh, first of all, I want to thank you. This is your first time for coming into the studio with us and joining us. And actually, this is kind of a new relationship for us to really uh, explain to our listeners what is PISA, the association, and what is its mission? So let's talk a little bit about what is PISA as an organization. Thanks, Kim. Um, PISA is the national trade organization for the service and equipment side of the energy industry. So, for example, this is companies that you would be familiar with, Halliburton, Schlumberger, Baker Hughes, are some of our larger companies. Um, the, so we, we speak for these companies. We speak for them in uh, at the national level in Washington, D.C., but we also speak for these companies in state capitals like Austin, um, you know, Colorado, New Mexico, uh, any Alaska, anywhere where there is uh, where these companies operate. We are there and we are we are speaking to get the message uh, of our companies across. So is PISA mainly and mostly uh, an organization that's talking on um legal uh, efforts or uh, lobbying efforts, or do you also service in other areas outside of the political arena? Government affairs is is, is one section of what PISA does. That, that's, that's what I'm responsible for. But uh, another huge aspect of PISA is also serving to train uh, individuals on the en- energy industry. For example, PISA have, for 25 years has trained foreign service officers that are being deployed to a country which has a large oil and gas uh, sector, large oil and gas operations. PISA will train those individuals uh, in the oil and gas industry before they go. PISA also trains uh, new hires at many oil and gas companies here in Houston and across the country who maybe don't have a significant oil and gas experience. PISA will do that training. So PISA is a very diverse organization. PISA also does uh, a number of networking and professional development programs for executives and employees of our member companies. So it's it's training, it's it's government affairs. Um, it's it's all of that. It's it's a very diverse organization. Now you all also host uh, throughout the year one or two uh, times within that year a very specific program that's geared. I think it's called uh, 
Oil and Gas 101. Yes. And it's really for the newbie coming into the oil and gas sector to understand terminology. I mean, a lot of people that get hired into the oil and gas sector, they are not necessarily trained and understand the ins and the outs, like what's an upstream, midstream, or downstream part within the, the industry. So this program kind of takes the nuts and the bolts and puts it all together, and it's an easy understanding of an overall big picture oil and gas, right, as well? We do. In fact, we just hosted um, one of those seminars about two weeks ago, and it's a cross-section of folks that attended. It's people that maybe just st- uh, took a new position within their company, and they're expected to know more about about the, the ins and outs of the industry, or it's people that were just hired. Perhaps they were working in another industry, but they, they have since joined the energy industry, and we give them uh, the background in the industry that they're going to need going forward in their career, or sometimes it's mid-level people who maybe had an administrative role and they want to move into um, a different sector of their of their company and, and oil and gas 101 is is helping them do that so it's a cr- it's a huge cross-section of, of folks that that we do train there and it, it, it's been a very successful program for PISA and our member companies really enjoy it we've been partners with PISA for about four years or three and a half years and some of the things that I really enjoy as well is you'll have some of the most excellent networking events at really great places whether it's Top Golf, or and an excellent um, yearly and annual event, which all the members come together and and you talk about your membership and yes, we we all know the big service companies, the Halliburtons and the Slumbergers and uh, the BJ Services, but you also have a lot of service companies like Nove and uh, Cameron, and um, they are more they're they're in different areas of oil and gas. And maybe they're big companies too, but they may not be known as mm-hmm. well as the big big guys. What PISA is doing um, on the governmental affairs end, which is right up uh, up your alley. So um, tell me a little bit about what can we expect from Congress and, and what could uh, the effects that are coming out of Congress, how could it affect the oil and gas sector in the, what session are we on, the 116th uh, session in Congress? 116th Congress. Uh, thanks, Kim. That's a question that, that we get asked. That's all, a big question. It's a big question. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a big question. Um, so obviously, you know, we have a House which rests in the, in the control of the Democrats. The Senate and the presidency are in the hand of the Republicans. So the we have a divided government. So what does that mean? Well, first thing that means is not a lot of legislation is going to get passed. Bills that come out of the House probably aren't going to make it to the Senate, and if by some chance they did, the president likely wouldn't sign them. So legislatively, the Cong- Congress is not doing a lot. Um, however, it's very easy to think, oh, well, then from from an industry perspective, then there's no, there's nothing to worry about because there's not going to be any bad legislation that comes through because nothing's passing. So let's just ignore Congress for two years. That's a big mistake. Um, there's a number of reasons why that that's a mistake for, for the industry. Uh, first of all, it, just looking at the House, um, last Congress in the 115th Congress, uh, the committees were giving very strong subpoena power, um, enforceable through a criminal subpoena. Um, this was due to frustrations with the last administration's responding to committee requests. So the committees are very uh, are very strong, and the committees are going to use that strength to launch a number of investigations um, th- that, that are in their jurisdiction. Um, so we've already seen that, obviously, with the political issues with with the president. But even beyond that, the things is that's that's more important for our industry is global warming. Every committee in the House has been directed to pick out areas of their jurisdiction dealing with global warming and focus on that. 
that's been a directive down from from the uh, top of House leadership. So we, we're seeing that. In fact, there was even a committee that was created solely to focus on climate change. Exactly. And, and Tim, when we come back from break, I want to get into that committee specifically in a little bit more detail. We do have to take a quick break. You're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Plan your next meeting or event at Victoria College's Emerging Technology Complex, home to the state-of-the-art conference and education center, conveniently located between Houston and Corpus Christi. The center hosts meetings, educational workshops, and banquets for up to 300 people with the latest in technology amenities and ample parking. Let their professional meeting planners make your next event a success. For more information, go to conferenceinvictoria.com. Once again, that's conferenceinvictoria.com. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest in studio today is Tim Tarpley, the Vice President of Governmental Affairs for PISA. Uh, Tim, before the break, we were talking about what we can expect coming out of the 116th Congress. Um, And you were telling me about this new committee that's set up that the industry has to be aware of and look out for changes coming down the pike with this one specific newly created uh, committee. Uh, Tell me, first of all, what's the name of it and what do you think it's designed to do? Yes, the committee is the House Select Committee on Energy Independence and Global Warming. This was created uh, at the beginning of this Congress, the beginning of the 116th Congress. Uh, Congresswoman Kathy Castor is the chairman, chairwoman. And this committee's sole purpose is to come up with policy recommendations on global warming and climate change for 2020. So this isn't they're not going to they're not going to be coming out with legislation this congress most likely they are not going to be passing legislation this congress but they're going to be coming up with policy recommendations that are going to essentially form the backbone should congress flip in 2020 or should the presidency flip in 2020 the the policy recommendations and the framework that this committee is working on over the next 2 years will be used going forward so it is important to pay attention to what they're doing and for the industry to engage in this process because um Depending on how the next election goes, this could be the things that, that this committee are working on could could become real policy, uh, real legislation. Going and when forward. they're picking out the policies, um, are they? I'm sure they're hearing testimony, but is it selected testimony, or is it really going to be based off of science and data that's going to come up with mean, meaningful legislation, or is this going to be um, where it's kind of hand selected what is discussed to create legislation out of it? What's your opinion on that? We certainly hope that they use real science. Uh, the fear is is that they don't. They've only had one committee hearing so far, and that is that was to hear young individuals under the age of of 18 and how they believe climate change is going to affect them. 
while important, you know, that's certainly not not going to be a science-based uh, hearing. You know, going forward, we would hope that they would um, allow the industry, the, the the energy industry, to participate and to pre- uh, present certainly our case for ways that we can help with climate change. For example, greater use of natural gas, um, and you know, our industry is producing more oil and gas. More, uh, with less carbon than we ever have in the history of the industry right, right now, and that that story I don't think is is uh, being really told getting out there. Right? No, it's not. Right. And so we would hope that they 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 give uh, everyone a fair shake, um, but I I do fear that it will become more of a political uh, sounding board and will not be based on science or fact. Interesting. What about uh, the Green New Deal? Um, I'm sure PISA will be um, at the committee. Right, they're trying to talk to legislators about uh, what is science-based and what is not. But what's your opinion on the Green New Deal, too? I know it didn't pass, but it's almost like the genie's out of the bottle. It, it, it carried with a lot of folks. And even though uh, no one can figure out how they're going to pay for it, it's unrealistic, it's, 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 it's ludicrous what they're proposing. It really went somewhere in, in the public sector. Um, do you think it'll be back? Do you think they'll take apart pieces of it and bring it back in? Uh, yes, I, I definitely think it, it will be back. Um, the Green New Deal was interesting in that it was a, kind of an element of of the 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 Democrat caucus. They didn't even have support fully within their own caucus. And as you know, the Senate brought it up for a vote, and it failed uh, significantly. In fact, even I think everybody voted and said no. <laughs> yeah, they either voted no or they voted present. Voting present is, is when you, is when you uh, you don't have, have the strength to vote no, um, but you, you decide to just just go vote present. Um, so so it failed very very strongly in in the Senate. Um, that does not mean it's it's going away. That was that was kind of a wish list um, by many of the climate. Uh, caucus. That, that was a list of all the things they want. It will come back in, in more real, practical legislation should the next election um, you know, allow them allow them to do it. So, it, it, while we might not have to worry about the Green New Deal passing in the next year and a half, we certainly need to look at elements of that and prepare, because that is coming back. It's not going away, even with such a, a catastrophic failure in, with the Senate vote. Uh, Provisions of that will be back, and certainly it needs to be uh, it needs to be paid attention to, and, and and the industry needs to engage on these issues and make our case while uh, a lot of these provisions are not sensible. Uh, interesting, Tim. Uh, you know, one of the questions uh, that has been on my mind is, you know, President Trump has uh, roughly two years, and um, he's been a very big supporter of oil and gas. Um, I believe he's really pushed the needle in uh, reversing some of the past administrations really anti-oil and gas policies. But when we get back from break, I'd like to get into what do you think, I want you to pull out your crystal ball and tell me what do you think we can see and expect for the last two years of this administration um, and and uh, are there going to be any significant changes that you see? But we are going to take a quick break. Uh, you are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show and we'll be right back. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210 210- Four seven one one nine two three, and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com.
And we're back. Our guest today is Tim Tarpley, the Vice President of Governmental Affairs for PISA. Uh, Tim, before the break, we were talking about uh, some of the stuff we can expect from the 116th Congress. uh, And we talked a little bit about the Green New Deal. Uh, Now, I'm curious to uh, get your thoughts on the last two years that President has uh, in office. Tell me a little bit about what you think we can expect uh, from his administration as well as uh, the executive agencies. Thanks, Kim. We, we, we are often asked that question. And to be honest, this administration, like many administrations, somewhat of a mixed bag for the industry. Overall, there's been some some very, very positive policies that have come out of the White House. Um, as you mentioned, the administration has repealed many of the burdensome regulations that were put in put in, into effect by the last administration. For example, um, the administration has blocked the implementation of the Clean Power Plan and is replacing it with a, uh, another plan to reduce carbon emissions that's more workable. Um, they have suspended the implementation of the methane rule on public land. Plans. Um, they've reversed course on a lot of the the um, in, environmental things, such as the uh, protections for the sage grouse, bird lizard out west. Um, however, one of the big big issues that our industry is facing, especially the equipment production side of our industry, that's facing from this industry, is the tariffs. The tariffs um, are negatively affecting. The, the manufacturer of equipment that is manufactured here in the United States that uses feedstock from abroad. Um, much of that feedstock now is going to cost more if these tariffs go into effect. So, in some ways, you know, a lot of the positives have been negated by these tariffs. For example, um, we represent Caterpillar is one of our members. Um, they estimate that in the five, mo- five months of 2018, tariffs have cost them $100 million, and they're expecting $200 million loss in 2019. So that that's kind of hard. To... That's big, and you know, it, unfortunately for for a city like Houston and industry industry like the the oil and gas industry, we have member companies that produce high technology equipment here in the United States. Some of their feedstock is coming from from uh, sources like China, but the 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 final product is built here by Americans, and those are very good manufacturing jobs. We want to keep them here, but by raising the cost of the feedstock coming into the United States, that means that the cost of the final product that is produced here is higher. Um, it, so we have competitors in Europe and Asia who then are more competitive against us because our final product costs more. So we're hope the the, the big hope is is that the negotiations with China China, which are ongoing right now, which are expected to continue uh, through this month and into hopefully uh, be concluded within a month. It's the hope is, is that we can get some kind of long-term deal with China and we can start removing these tariffs. Um, the, the, one of the big questions is, will the tariffs remain? Will they be used as an enforcement mechanism for the Chinese? And we don't know the answer to that. It depends how the negotiations go. But we're, the industry is very hopeful that we can get that issue settled and get the tariffs off the table. And you know our economy is doing very well, but the tariffs are kind of hanging out as a, a cloud over um, many of our, our companies. So that's probably the biggest thing to watch out for in the next two and, years. I mean, that is something that you don't hear a lot of. Of course, we hear a lot coming out of uh, Waters of America and a lot of legislation that's basically affecting the operators. Um, and we don't hear a lot about how the tariffs are affecting the service companies. And truly, without the service companies, the operators really can't get their job done. So sure. it is an important topic to talk about. Uh, let's change gears quickly and talk about PISA. You guys have a gender diversity toolkit. Tell me about that. I'm really excited to hear about that. <laughs> well, um, the, the oil and gas industry, um, our sector of the industry, has a labor shortage in most areas, meaning we have more jobs than employees. As, that is, and that is a significant challenge for our companies. It, it, it's good in the sense it shows the economy is doing well, that there there are more positions than uh, applicants, but it can really slow down operations. If you can't get good good folks to, to come fill these jobs, it, you can't. It slows the whole process down. So one one of the the ways to to address that is is to increase 
the amount of women that that work in our sector. So PISA has conducted this a sector-wide gender diversity study and determined that despite the fact that the overall workforce is 47% female, 53% male, this is overall nationwide uh, in all sectors of the economy, in the service and equipment sector is 16% female and 84% male. So obviously, well, they've got a long way to go with diversifying that. <laughs> got a long way to go. That, that needs to change. Um, but but for our sector, it, it is a loss. There is there is good quality applicants in that pool of women, and we're not we're not accessing them. Mm-hmm. So we're losing out as a sector. We're losing out to tech. We're losing out to you know for whatever reason it is, those individuals are choosing other sectors of the economy, and that's to that's to our our sector's detriment. So the. Um, the goal is to increase that percentage. I mean, 16%, we need to get it up to, to, to the population level, which is in the 40s. Right. Um, so how do, how do we do that? Well, it, it's a series of things. I mean, it's it's, it's starting in schools. It, it's increasing STEM training in schools. And a lot of it is 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 making you know young girls know that these opportunities are out there and that uh, that, that this the sector wants them, that wants their skills. And and so that is something that PISA is really working on. And, and we send a toolkit out to all of our companies who are uh, all of our member companies, all 200 of them, that discusses this, provides these statistics, and provides ways to increase those numbers. And for example, um, Chevron's goal is to have uh, 31 to 32 percent women in leadership roles. BP set its goal of 30 percent. Um, Equinar has increased its leadership from 35. It wants to increase its leadership from 35 percent women to 50 percent women over the next uh, number of years. So all all of these companies are recognizing that this is a problem. Um, it's just a matter of identifying how to improve that, and then all working together as a sector uh, to do that. Interesting. And uh, before we go to break, I just want to add quickly, they have also probably figured out, and yes, I have a dog in this fight, that women work really hard all the time, so they make great choices uh, and great great to hire. Uh, Tim, switching gears a little bit from diversity, one of the things that PISA is doing is conducting training in the area of foreign service officers. Uh, tell me a little bit about that program and what you guys are doing in that area. Thanks, Kim. It's an interesting aspect of what PISA does and what the industry really does that not a lot of folks may know about. Every year, hundreds of foreign service officers are trained and deployed abroad all over the world by the U.S. State Department. Um, many of these officers are being deployed to countries where there are significant oil and gas operations, meaning there's usually going to be Americans operating in that country, and these these officers are going to be dealing with issues that come up from, from that operations. Right. So one of the things PISA does is every year, uh, twice a year, PISA trains foreign service officers that are going to be deployed to oil and gas producing countries. We've been doing this for 25 years, and over the past 25 years, PISA has trained 750 FSOs before they went abroad. Um, this this involves training in the industry, uh, you know, kind of the oil and gas 101, the basics of, of of how you produce a well, who's working on the wells, all of those details. And this is really important for the industry because if something happens in Algeria or Saudi Arabia and the industry is dealing with the State Department uh, because there's Americans over there, many, many Americans, uh, these FSOs are going to know about the industry and they're going to know about these issues before, before the incident occurs. So this is really, really beneficial for our industry as well as for the the state, the U.S. State Department. Uh, Tim, when we return, I want to catch up with uh, some of the stuff that PEACE is doing for their members. Uh, but we do have to take a quick break. You're listening to End the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. 
The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Tim Tarpley, the Vice President of Governmental Affairs for PISA. Um, So PISA is another association that is handling uh, service companies. Uh, but I've also noticed, as we've been partners for now three to four years, it's really becoming more diverse of taking in uh, individuals that are not necessarily in oil and gas and introducing them into the oil and gas sector. Like, you guys have an amazing uh, executive leadership track, and that is primarily mostly uh, PISA members, but it's really open to the public, and so is your uh, oil and gas 101 I also want to cover, though, uh, the member y'all's member facility tours, because you guys do a lot of tours with this, your members. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, uh, that also goes along with training. You know, one of one of the uh, anytime that 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 an individual doesn't understand our industry, they're going to have um, they're going to form their opinions of our industry based on. Uh, what they're hearing out there in the what public. What they're hearing out there in the, yeah. And it, that's usually not correct. <laughs> it, it may not be correct. You're right. And it, it's a shame when that forms somebody's opinion. So we think education is the, and tr- key, is the key. Knowledge. It's the key to knowledge. And it's it's providing them the facts um, and let, let them make the decision on their own. So what we are doing is we are bringing members of Congress, local officials, uh, you know, through every state um, in, in the nation to our member company facilities. For example, we brought Congressman McCall to BJ Services in Tomball about two months ago. We showed him what they were doing there, what they were manufacturing, and then we gave him an opportunity to speak with the actual employees that are working at that facility. Um, that is really, really important for our industry to be doing more of that. Because, for example, members of Congress, they're going to be hearing all this noise up there about what our industry does and what it doesn't do. Half of what they hear, maybe more, is not is not going to be correct. It's not going to be based on fact. There's nothing better than getting out there and seeing a actual facility and meeting the men and women who get up every day and work at that facility, seeing what they do, see, hearing what issues are important to them. And that, that is a tremendously important thing that an organization like PISA can do is, is speak for our industry. Because I, I, I spent many years in, in politics in D.C., and I can tell you that if our industry is not telling the story of our industry, somebody else is going to be telling the story of our industry up there, and it's not probably going to be correct or positive. So um, that outreach, that education, that is that is tremendously important, and I think it's a big benefit for the industry to do more of that, as, as much of it as we can do. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Tim. Honestly, we've had a lot of elected officials on the show, one of them right here in Houston, Congressman Babin, who is Baytown, and mm-hmm. he gets it. He, he visits his constituents and understands that a lot of uh, oil and gas is in his area. So he really wants to understand more and uh, be able to 
uh, vote on policies that really matter to his district all the way around. Spe- speaking of Congressman Babin, he is in fact coming out to tr- tour a facility in Laporte in two weeks. So we and he is he is an excellent member and he's a friend of, of the industry. But he's going to learn more about the industry by by visiting this facility. Uh, I'm sure he'll you know he'll, he'll gain a lot from that and talking to the employees. Being around you guys and seeing what you guys do for the for uh, the industry for the last three to four years. Uh, I'm always excited to see and learn about your annual conference, where it's going to be. But also, you guys, what what can we expect uh, for you guys to close out with this year in 2019? What's on your radar? Thanks, Kim. I, I, we've talked a lot about the, the training, but I, I can't over, overemphasize how important I think that, that the expanding the training opportunities that we do at PISA, and I do see that as a very big growth uh, area for for our organization. In fact, we are looking to expand um, our, our, our F, uh, similar program to our FSO training to include congressional staff, because one of the things that that, that uh, I, I used to work in, in in Congress and I've experienced is that congressional staff are are handling many issues for their members and they do a very important job, but they don't always have a background in our industry. And 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 like we were talking about before, sometimes their opinions are formed by tidbits of information that they hear mm-hmm. here and there that they may not be true or may not be based on on facts. So we're going to expand this training to uh, start training congressional staff, give them an opportunity to come to Houston, visit uh, energy facilities, see firsthand uh, what what they're doing there, meet with the the employees, and also go through our traditional oil and gas one-on-one training, which I think is very beneficial to them. So that when a bill is coming up, you know, on the House floor, they're they're making they're they're recommending to their bosses how to vote, and it's going to be based on facts and uh, and real uh, real world experience, not not sound bites that, that the other side may may bring up. Um, so training, I think, will be a big growth uh, area for PISA this year, continuing to advocate for our members all around the country. Um, I think at the state level, legisl- legislative uh, issues will be more important to us. We're building out our state operations. We just hired somebody to open up a regional district in uh, Oklahoma. We're expanding internationally. We have we already have a regional district in the Middle East. We're planning on uh, creating a regional district in Argentina. And this is this is to allow uh, to help our companies access these markets. So that is also a very big growth area for PISA is those is those international markets. Um, and you mentioned about our annual meeting. Our annual meeting is at the end of this month, actually in California. And this is an opportunity for our executives from all of our member companies to get together to talk about what policies are affecting the industry, to talk about how they can work better as an industry for things like training, things like government outreach. All of these issues um, will be handled at the annual meeting. And also, you know, our member companies will get Give us marching orders. We'll, we'll tell us what we should be focusing on uh, in the coming year, and and we'll use that as as a guidepost. So it's an important uh, important time for for the organization and uh, and for the industry. Now, uh, your president is Leslie Shockley Byer, who, by the way, has uh, uh, she has been on the Shell magazine cover. Mm-hmm. Um, delightful and in, extremely uh, intelligent and bright uh, young lady. Uh, you know. We had her on the cover probably about three years ago, mm-hmm. and she had just come to PISA. And uh, everybody could just see changes occurring, so we were very happy to get her on the cover uh, and catch her early when she was starting. But to see how she has grown the organization and, and through her leadership and, of course, her great team, you, 
Molly, uh, for our listeners who may want to learn more about PISA, what would you say to somebody who maybe is in Corpus, it's a service company, mm -hmm. or uh, Austin? There are service companies all over servicing oil and gas. Mm -hmm. uh, they can get a benefit from joining PISA, um, but where do they go to learn more information on how to join and, of course, attend some of your magnificent mixers? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the first thing they can do is go to PISA.org and simply see the number of events and the locations of the events that we're holding, we, while certainly the majority, I mean, I don't want to say majority, but 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 many are in the Houston area. Uh, but we are having events in Midland, Oklahoma, Colorado, Louisiana, all over anywhere where oil and gas is is being produced, and and those locations are going to increase this year. Um, and 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 then, like I mentioned uh, before, we're we're growing out our regional district, so we're really everywhere where oil and gas is being is being produced, and the services that we offer to to companies are, are significant, and they're growing all the time. As you mentioned, Leslie took over. I think it was about four years ago. She's brought in a lot of energy to the organization um she she has uh, she's from dc too as far as you guys were not in the same circles but working in dc <laughs> so you guys are not newcomers to what's happening in washington we, we, we both follow similar paths we're we're, we're we're texas bred but we spent a couple of years up there and then we, as soon as we figured out a way to get back to texas we got back <laughs> so we, we we both followed similar paths but but um it, it is good to have the experience of of the federal policy side for a trade organization and, and both of us have had that experience and we we, we know how, how it works up there and we're able to take that experience we learned and uh, and use it to to the benefit of our member companies and for the industry as a as a whole. Excellent. Well, Tim, I want to thank you for coming to studio today, um, and we look forward to having you back in the near future to give us an update. Hopefully, after your conference, to tell us how that went and uh, and catch up on what's going on in uh, D.C. Uh, but until next time, thank you for coming in and being a guest. Thanks for having us. Well, that's all the time that we have for this show. But please be sure to like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash in the oil patch. Or follow us on Twitter at ShellMag. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G. And if you have any questions for me or if you have questions on oil and gas, I encourage you to email me at radio at shellmag.com. That's going to wrap up another great show. See you next week with more exciting news and insightful interviews. Until then, adios. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.